This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest, Britt Clark. Hey, <laughs> yeah, you did it. I don't envy you having to say that that quickly. How do you do it? <laughs> um, many, many times of practice. It, it, it feels like one of those scenarios where you talk in front of a mirror. Yeah. And you go, oh, am I confident enough to do and sound like a professional. That's when you just slap yourself across the face. You're like, <laughs> I can do it. That's what I do every, <laughs> every morning. Every, every morning. <laughs> um, so for the wonderful people of the um, our earbuds who don't know who you are, um, give everyone a little bit of a, a spiel of who you are and what you do. Uh, it's so interesting because... I um I guess you've got two versions when you do this, right? You've got yourself and then you've got like the professional one. So I'm going to go professional. Um, my name is Brett. I'm an actress from New Zealand. Uh, I started in the industry when I was like maybe 17, which is actually pretty late considering. Um, mm. I am a avid reader. I write a little bit. Uh, I... Uh, have a podcast. I just kind of do a real mixed bag of stuff. You might know me from, um, if you're Australian, the TV show, Dr. Doctor, <laughs> classic. <laughs> um, I played Mia Horston uh, on that show. And then if you're from New Zealand, you might know me from Shortland Street, classic, again, iconic television show, that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely iconic. Uh, or the YouTube, uh, series is, I guess, or YouTube channel, Viva La Dirt League. Um, yeah, what else is interesting about uh, me? <laughs> I this is that's why this is my favorite. Um, my favorite question is like everyone just doesn't know how to respond. Yeah. to that to that like vibe of just being like, oh hey, I think I think this of you, and like yeah. tell me everything about yourself, and they're <laughs> like, oh, my brain should tell you something interesting, but I am. I think to myself, not that interesting. Yeah. Or then you do the opposite where you're like, when I was like five years old, I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I fell off, a, fell out of a tree and now I'm like scarred from that experience. Yeah. And then, and then I never looked back and I, I was, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I, I ended up in a psych ward and it was fine. <laughs> no one knew who I was. Um, <sighs> but, but what, <laughs> What what a, so you got into acting? Um, well, you got into the industry at about seventeen, but mm. acting was something you always wanted to do. Oh, absolutely! But literally every person I ever knew told me not to do it, so it took me a long while. Why? <laughs> I don't honestly. It's so weird because I have I have a very artistic mother. My dad has produced film before. He actually produced uh, the New Zealand. He was an executive producer for uh, the New Zealand. A movie goodbye pork pie the remake um oh okay yeah so he's been in the industry that was a by four nights film but he is in no way shape or form like ever told me to do it or influenced or talked to anybody about acting so um when it comes to me especially because you, you get some people whose parents have been in the industry forever and you know hook them up with an audition or something mm. like that um, I don't think that 99.9% of the people I know know who my dad is. Like I haven't really, mm. yeah, we've lived apart for a long time. So, um, but yeah, I've had, my parents have been very creative um, and they just, 
I guess my mum was probably like, yeah, do a play or two, but for the most part, most, yeah, like if you want, but no, not a single person was like, you should, that's a, you know, a, a realistic career path for, you know, for a person. <laughs> I guess. Just, just don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no explicit don't, but there also was like a lot of implied don't. Do yeah. It. There was a, like, I mean, what was that kind of jumping point for you then to go, oh, okay, I actually want to do this regardless of what everyone else is saying? Um, honestly, I just kept auditioning for a lot of community theater uh, and I really enjoyed that. I love the, like the family environment. I love uh, the, the, just the social aspect of, you know, getting together with a group of like, like-minded people and having this like three hour slot every week or every, you know, couple of days. Um, if you're doing a mm. show that's got more, you know, if you're at the start of the rehearsal period where you're with the same group of people and it's just, I don't know, it's like found family, I feel like maybe. Um, and I really love that aspect of, of theater. So I feel like that pushed me to want to be involved um, and continue going back to audition. But when it came to picking it as a career, I don't know if I, there was ever a point where I was like, I feel like this is what I will do for the rest of my life. It's just been something that I haven't been able to stop doing. So <laughs> I respect that yeah. as being like the thing that people just go, oh no, I'm not going to stop doing this. It's <laughs> no. fine. Um, I think that's like, that's kind of the art industry as well, especially mm. when you do acting. It's kind of a weird, I don't think you ever truly stop mm. like wanting to do something creative when you're born into it mm. or at least had an influence around you do you feel like that's the case with you where like you you know matter what avenue of career if you decided to give up acting oh you would do something else creative yeah for sure like I um wanted to be a writer like I also write as well so that's another thing is if I didn't act, I'd probably write or produce. Although I have no idea what producers do. Like they're, they are how, I don't know how they do it. Like their job is just so intense. They do so many different things, but yeah, I think it would probably still be in some facet of the film industry. Um, mm. You know, I feel like all of the career choices that I would that I would make would be very difficult ones. So <laughs> they're all kind of similar in that sense. And none of them are reliable, um, which is great. My parents are so yeah. proud. <laughs> they're like, what are you doing, Brett? Yeah. What are you doing? Why? Yeah, so good. Um, I mean, so then, so then you, what was it like? What, so was the first thing, the New Zealand show that you did, was that the first kind of acting gig or was it um, that were like, when did it feel proper to you? Because proper is such a indeterminate way of being like, how did you measure your own success? Honestly, I feel like it really comes and goes. It fluctuates a lot. So I feel like when I first, I got the gig, the shorty gig, um, essentially I did this play with Auckland Theatre Company's like youth division. The The festival is uh, the next big thing festival. And from, to my knowledge, they were putting it on at the basement theatre in Auckland's uh, CBD. Um, and I was in a show called Sit On It, which was about uh, a, the girls' bathroom in a nightclub. <laughs> it was so good. Um, it was hilarious. Uh, it was really fun. But a casting director for Shortland Street came to that show and then I believe, <clears throat> excuse me, she reached out and she sent a few audition, like a brief mm. to a few of the, the cast members in the show. So I I got through the Shortland Street audition through her. Um, 
and then auditioned for that and I booked that and I remember feeling really excited um but I don't think I ever was like yeah I've made it because at that point it was the first thing I'd ever done I was really to be honest more intimidated than anything (laughs) um yeah yeah it was very scary especially because there's not a lot of places to get on like on set experience if you're a young actor in New Zealand I feel like Shorten Street is sort of the training ground for so many actors that go through um and so I remember being on set and one of the first ADs called something out and I (laughs) looked to one of the actors and I was like like I had no idea what he was talking about and he was like we're just going for a pause and I was like I have no freaking idea what that means like I, I have no idea what I'm doing um but yeah I don't think I've ever still to this day been like yeah I made it (laughs) I mean the the, that's kind of interesting because you you've been on like several different things now and and like there is an element of like you know have you ever tried to google yourself oh yeah I've done it for fun with a a couple of my siblings because they just absolutely love like laughing at me (laughs) and seeing what comes up like I'm on wiki feet it's honestly a whole thing yeah yeah can I just say I discovered wiki feet recently and I'm like what the hell is this for (laughs) it's not something that I ever thought I'd see you know come out of acting it's a career choice but it's there so (laughs) yeah I mean your feet are making profit let's 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 be real that ad revenue on that website must be insane oh god um but no I mean like with with sort of going then to Dr. Doctor, mm. how did that one sort of like, was that just a natural progression or was that just kind of like just so happened? weird. It was so weird. I, um, I, you know, you audition for a lot of different stuff. I get, you know, you get callbacks, you get, um, you get uh, director callbacks. You think you're almost there. Uh, you don't get the job. And then I had this audition come through for, for Dr. Doctor and I taped it with a friend of mine. Her name's Emma. We were in an apartment in the city uh, we, you know, we did the tape. I went on a holiday, a family holiday with my dad and my brothers, um, overseas. I think I was, yeah, I was Dubai. <laughs> I was in Dubai. Um, crazy. And I came home and I, my agent called me like two and a half weeks after I got back, I think. And she said, Oh, um, it's down to you and one other person. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay, like I haven't had a callback for this. I don't know what's going on, but sure. Um, and she's like, well, they're going to make their decision and let you know. And then on, I think it was a Monday, I was with my friend Anna and I got a call from Imogen. Um, the, she's like the, you know, the head agent at JNL. And she, she was like, well, you booked it. You have to leave and go to Australia this weekend. And I was like, what? <laughs> I've not met any of the producers. I've not met any of the directors. I didn't have a Skype call. I didn't talk to a single person on set. I didn't have a chemistry read. I just got a job. And then I, it was the weirdest experience. Can I? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just processing yeah. how that come about. Because that is not industry standard. I have literally no idea. I feel like they maybe I... just was like that one. <laughs> just <Yeah. laughs> Like people in a room just going. Yeah. <laughs> I really can't decide which one do you like more. <laughs> And just like some, <laughs> like these ten execs yeah. just standing behind them, going, I don't know, <laughs> just, I don't know, just pick one. <laughs> like we've got two options, guys. It's a fifty-fifty percent chance. Oh, um, I did eventually go and talk to 
uh, Claudia Carvan and Tony McNamara in a in when I, I got there, and they told me that a reason that they really liked my audition so much was that there was a, a scene in which I have to fix a person's hair. Um, and in this in the script, in the small print, it was like, or the big print, it was like, um, like she she uh, gets spit on her fingers and then she fixes her hair. But I remember in the audition, I just like, <laughs> I just like hucked a big loogie and just went like that and spit in my hand, like massively. Um, and they told me that they thought it was really funny. So... <laughs> um and then and then obviously you did that how how long was that how long did you do doctor doctor for Uh, i was in season three and four um oh no was i two and three two and three takes a minute um (laughs) uh so i was there for about six seven months the first year and then i came back again the next year for about the same amount of time i think yeah okay yeah and and was that like how is that in terms of at, like experience on set experiences versus like, you know, your previous experiences? Honestly, um, it was a lot more intense. It was the first time where I had ever really experienced like very uh, specific uh, choreographed scenes because we did a lot of medical um emergencies. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a lot uh, in a medical emergency. You have to be very like, I mean, you you can cheat a little bit of stuff because not everybody that's watching is, you know, a nurse or a doctor. Um, so you can cheat a little bit of stuff, but you generally, for the most part, have to be pretty specific about what you do. Um, so, yeah, it was the first time I had ever worked with, you know, acting and then also uh, a large ensemble cast and also having to really think about, um, yeah, these big kind of orchestrated events uh, we had really really big days on set which was quite different to New Zealand also uh, New Zealand when I talk about when I say New Zealand I mean Shortland Street but Shortland Street's episodes are at such a high rate of turnover that everything is like so fast you get mm. one rehearsal if that <laughs> like they might shoot the rehearsal you know um, yeah so everything the turnaround was so fast for Shortland Street so I feel like they're different in that way I think Shortland Street reminds me of Home and Away and Neighbours, kind of mm. like that, because Home and Away and Neighbours are like the training ground for Australian actors. Yeah. So most of the people I know have been on either one of them. Yeah. And and I remember one horror story that one of my friends told me, he used to do it in the 80s, like 80s slash 90s, and he met um, uh, Isla Fisher. There, oh, cool. Um, back when she was about like early 20s. And he said that the experience was you go in, you do the rehearsal, then you'd film it. And mm-hmm. there was no, as you say, there was just no time to kind of really understand. So it's why sometimes the acting is so janky in yeah. parts because it's like no one knew what was quite going on. Yeah, it's such a skill, I feel like, to be able to take dialogue and really just like um, have it sit in you that quickly because they might be making changes up until like a few hours before, you know, and the actors have such a huge job in having to like really absorb a new like usually absolutely wild situation within a few hours or you know overnight and the episodes are just you know so fast i don't know how the writers do it i feel like that's insane they just oh i feel like um yeah whenever i write anything i just kind of like compartmentalize everything and then (laughs) extract it how would i say this if it makes any sense um and then you take out all the grammatical errors yeah and you (laughs) rewrite 
<laughs> my favorite, my favorite ever though, is the experience of sending someone a script that I haven't checked the grammatical pun- or punctuation of, and oh, yeah. they send it back as a like. They'll send me back see like of them performing a scene and stuff, and they'll just read it as is, like <laughs> even with all the grammatical errors, and I'm just like. Part of me just like it dies inside, yeah. and like I should have thought about it, but no, nah, fuck it. It's because actors always get told to not disrespect the writer by like running away with the scripts and stuff. They're always like, read what's on the page. We get it drilled into us, and then <laughs> I, I think it was because I, I, growing up, I partially trained in acting, yeah, and then sort of went into film and media. So for me, it's always like having understanding of both sides and just basically being like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, at the end of the day, make the product work. It's sort of like there's a little bit of like freedom, yeah. Uh, which probably sounds like uh, this weird artistic person who just goes, "Yeah, whatever, man." Like free flowing. Um, but in all seriousness, it, there is a little bit of an element with like I think acting and creating and everything that you've got to be this like. Mm. I think they teach it a little bit strangely, where you know you don't want to have this structured set, yeah, way all the time, yeah, like um. Do you feel like that with characters as well? Like when you try and conjure up like characters? Um, do I feel like I have a, like liberty with characters when I'm trying to? Yeah. Or, so, or yeah. Liberty or like, yeah. um, or just like, I do you feel very rigid when it comes to like sometimes with your acting? Like I feel what people like, want out of you. I feel like it really depends. Like I feel like um, in terms of when, like with Dr. Doctor, there was no character brief. <laughs> Um, I know. <laughs> so, but Tony so McNamara get... is a comedy <laughs> genius. Like he's hilarious, and like he's just so funny. So I feel like he was just wait- waiting for someone to just be like, you know, like he he trusts that people, you know, that their actors can come up with like something. I suppose. So like, I don't know. It was the weirdest thing. Like I didn't have a a character brief, which was very scary because I was you know, like coming over to a foreign country, I didn't know the producers. I didn't know the writers very well at all. Um, and I was like, I didn't want to let them down, but there was nothing that I could base the expectations on. So mm. yeah, it was freeing, but it was also very scary. And I might, I might've enjoyed like at least like just a sentence or two <laughs> about, <laughs> you know, intention and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, Lord. I know. That would have been like, that's, I'm just trying to get that all straight in my head about like, that whole process of just auditioning to the point of when you're on set and none of this makes any sense to <laughs> how that show even got to air, but apparently it did. <laughs> it's so funny. I I think, I feel like the cast itself was just a very, for Doctor, Doctor especially is very like um, unique. Every actor has just like a, a sort of, I don't know, it's kind of offbeat the comedy. And I feel like that mm. everybody has to be right in, in the cast. Like everybody has to work yeah. the right way. So I feel like it might just be that um, I'm weird <laughs> and that I like, I'm a little offbeat. I feel like maybe. And that's why they were like, yeah, you're fine. It's the ADD, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just not normal. Yeah. <laughs> not, not straight. <laughs> um, but no, and then you, and then obviously your move to Canada mm. um, was like, when, how did that come about? Was Canada always something you wanted to move into? Uh, not really, not necessarily. A move the, into? Yeah. Like, sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I was uh, I was kind of just thinking like, um, you know what? I haven't traveled a lot. Where are the easiest places 
um, to go visa wise and Canada happened to be one of them. So, uh, I, I know the film industry here is, is pretty decent. They've got really amazing resources here for actors specifically. Mm. I feel like that's one thing that I really, um, you notice in the acting industry for home versus here is it's just so accessible to, if you want to, yeah. yeah, you want to act an acting class. There's like six studios, like I found an incredible acting teacher when I got here and it's the first time I've ever had a, a coach consistently and everybody here has that. So that's what you're working against in the US and in, I mean, in North America in general, I guess, is people that have access and like consistently train and are consistently training like every single like week. Um, mm. And I didn't know that until I got here. So, uh, and also Canada is just generally quite a beautiful place, I think. Um, so yeah you've been here yeah i've i have been i've been twice to canada oh nice love it yeah i um and i would happily live there it is just such a nice place yeah it's it's beautiful and i feel like um it's not dissimilar to new zealand Uh, if you're from australia it's it's different right i mean maybe not the beaches the beach sorry there's a motorbike (laughs) very loud (laughs) Aggressive, I heard that uh. aggressive drivers around here. That's one thing I'll say. But yeah, it's not dissimilar to um, New Zealand, uh, Australia. Maybe the beach is like uh, kind of similar, but it reminds me where I live. Vancouver reminds me of Queenstown. If Queenstown and Auckland just like had a child together, uh, I feel like it would be the city. Um, I I love it. Like that. Sorry, I was just watching your hands. Oh, the the, 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 the anyone this. who can't see what Brit's doing is like literally just doing what we do as kids to explain sex, and it's literally just mashing hands. That's how everyone has sex, right? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, I wasn't trained in this. So I don't know anything. <laughs> um but no i i do i there are so many places like yeah when when i went to canada years back when i was about 18 19 i was with my dad Mm. and yeah it's just one of those countries that um you know like like australia and and this is the thing the film industry now has changed massively because of the pandemic oh my god Uh, (laughs) and and now like australia is now this populace of films Mm -hmm. and all my friends who were going to move to canada Mm. or move to England or move to America, I've now gone, nah, staying here because all the work's coming here. Yeah. when is So there's a real oh, mind change. Yeah. When is this episode being released, by the way? This yeah. episode is being released much later. It's coming out in, where are we now? Uh, it'll be coming out in August. Oh, I can so. tell you then. I'm moving home. Yeah. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know when this was coming out, and I'm trying to keep it uh, on the down low for yeah. for Viva fans because we're trying to surprise them when I come back. Ah, yeah. Okay, cool. So that's okay. Yeah. That then we can say this. Yes. Yes. As, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let me ask you the next yeah. question, which is <laughs> sorry, I should always introduce when these episodes are coming out, but I just love that people kind of go. When are they? Because people yeah. just give me a spiel of everything that's going on. And then I'm kind of like, oh, I'm glad this is being released a couple of months down the track because then they can reveal anything. That yeah, they yeah. It's, um, yeah. But yeah, well, so you're moving home. When are you moving home? Is the I'm next question. May. So I, in a month, literally, I know. So May 22nd, uh, coming home to Auckland, uh, probably out of quarantine on like the 7th of June if we don't get COVID somehow in yeah. in the hotels. Um. Yeah, so we made that decision a while ago because of exactly what you were talking about, about how the film industry is 
like really booming and obviously the trans Tasman bu- bubble opening and stuff. It's like, I have a lot of, and I haven't seen my loved ones in like almost, you know, two years coming up soon. So, yeah. and Canada is massively behind when it comes to vaccinations compared comparatively everywhere. So what people are saying is happening. I'm not sure how true this is, is that a lot of the productions that were shipped out here from the US are starting to go home because Canada's, mm. yeah, not as, I mean, the ones, the big players that have always been here, like CW and stuff like that, that's always going to be here, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff's moving and we were just like, it feels like a, the right time to go home, especially with some of the quality of the content that's going to New Zealand. Um, and also because we hate quarantine and social distancing. So look, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, like one of the, um, uh, on the side note of moving, mm. that, that might be something that me and my partner are doing next year as well. Oh yeah. Which, wow. uh, we're thinking about moving to New Zealand for a, either a year um and i potentially might like start getting into radio over there as well as doing side gigs so yeah do it networking networking <laughs> do it um because yeah i i think it's one of those things that i had a friend who lived there for years um and he's from new zealand he was born there but um yeah it was just kind of like he was always like come and live in new zealand i'm mm. like i love new zealand it's great mm. but um yeah, it's one of those things that I want to stay here because so much is happening Yeah, for it. And, you know, like, you know, and I I also think, you know, film directors like um, Taika Waititi mm. and, um, you know, Chris Hemsworth bringing people here mm. to just to make this more impactful for Australians because the problem before was when Marvel was making, you know, uh, like Disney, let's talk about the Disney corporation for five minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go on. Like the, <laughs> Ready. The conglomerate Disney now, as you probably know of uh, Disney own everything except for like small pockets. So they had the Fox merger, I think late last year. Mm. And now um, they own most of the digital platforms. They've got their own. They're about to merge now with all of the previous Marvel properties onto Disney and um yeah they've just kind of like combination of a bunch of different things but but they also own star wars they own like you know all these other properties like i think they own indiana jones because mm. it's all under george lucas films um so yeah once they own everything it's kind of like they're bringing so much here that it's sort of like i understand that because it's just easier for them to film here because they don't have the the legality like shang chi mm. was filmed entirely here and mm. that teaser just got released and everyone, it looks like New York. You mm. could feel, fool everyone to be like, this is San Fran. This is New York. Where, like, did, where did they shoot? What city did they use? I think they used part of Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane. Oh, just combining, yeah. eh? That's pretty cool. Uh, most of the time they use Brisbane because, eh. Mm. It's, it's, I think it's just because Brisbane had the most film like access Right. Um, and also the the local MPs are a bit more forgiving than, but um, the next Mad Max is being filmed here in Sydney. I didn't um, even know there was a new one coming out. Oh my God. That's exciting. Yeah, I know. Chris Hemsworth is in it. Okay. And he's, um, and the local M- um, MP Gladys Berejiklian is investing, uh, like getting the government to invest a bunch of money. Although I find it kind of funny because we're also in debt since the pandemic the government is still in debt of money that we owe and yet i don't know how like if i were in their finance team i would i would just look like i'd be the accountant just going (laughs) um (laughs) 
so I'm not going to eat this week. Like, <laughs> like seriously. Um, but yeah, so that so does that mean you're going to now appear into more Viva La Dirt League sketches? Of Is that course, the... yeah. That's definitely Cause... a plan, I think. I miss them so much. And it's honestly there's nothing like uh their the set experience with them is just so fun they're all so creative they're so equally you know invested and every single one of them is so passionate that like it's just the energy they bring when you're on set is just so much fun yeah it's so much energy you can't have a bad day. I, I think the best thing I ever watched about their videos was the behind the scenes stuff mm. and I was literally like this is like being on set just but the funnest of sets because yeah. it's just it's a, a bunch of people mucking around but also taking it very seriously at the exactly. same time you've got it they fluctuate between just yeah yeah um they've got you've got you know like you'll have adam generally who's i want to say it's adam who who would who would be like the one that would keep us all on track to be completely honest <laughs> um but yeah it's really good and everybody is just so like it feels like super homegrown, but they've been able to do so much with, you yeah. know, where they started to where they are now. It's just, I can't understand. I can understand because their content is incredible and they're so driven and so hardworking, but um, you just haven't seen that kind of stuff before in New Zealand. I don't think when it comes yeah. to web content, like aside from, you know, like flight of the Concords and stuff. Um, Cause I think I, they started I, online. Did they not? Yeah, they, yeah. they did. Uh, flight of the Concords started in um, geeks as well they all started their like content oh, it's gigs okay. and and small stuff and i remember discovering them very early on mm. and then um yeah they're just incredibly funny those yeah. two yeah and um you know and then brett mckenzie went on to compose for other films and do a bunch of stuff like help write films and jermaine clement um went off to do like what we do in the shadows mm. um and uh yeah just like wellington paranormal mm -hmm. which is another very hilarious show and if you haven't seen wellington paranormal please do go and check that out it's one of my favorite comedy shows um it's just so fucking weird um did they recently sell it as well they've sold it to uh someone overseas that i can't think of oh, i'm sure yeah. i'm sure they have mm. i i like that show is just so well made yeah um in terms of concept and i feel like um you know they're I feel like also the thing that, you know, the um the Viva guys do is like there there is something, you know, when they do hardworking stuff, the product always shows. Like mm -hmm. explaining, you know, like the board series particularly, um, the fact that they got this whole office of playtech to muck around in. And it's and everyone goes, Oh, that's such a cool set. And I'm like, guys, that's actually not a set, that's an actual place <laughs> of work. Yeah. Like <laughs> They are going to an established building, which is an actual shop in New Zealand. Yeah. If you would like to go yeah. and check it out, do. But yeah. it, it's it's always one of those things that it, it feels like it started. I look at them as like, um, funnily enough, as inspiration for things that I think people kind of forget about. Mm. Because it's always like something that I always tell people is like some... All my friends go, how do you get so many guests on your podcast? Or how do you do so much stuff? Mm. And it's like, you just ask. Yeah. The, you just ask and then you and then someone will go yeah actually that sounds like great like yeah. let's do it because um, i feel like not that many people assume that everybody's asking right but i don't think everyone is asking like that like yeah yeah i feel like i i think i've never been asked to do a podcast um chat before ever aside from when you really? asked me yeah <laughs> so, wow I, there you go. I, 
I mean, all it does is ask, and it, and it sort of just like yeah, it it kind of creates one new you know like everyone's like oh you network really well it's like well if you ask and then you connect with someone and then you you know just kind of use that as a mm. a networking on a social level then yeah. you're you know that's that's a career that's what we need to do as career people yeah. because it's all about um yeah it's it's funny explaining this to people who don't know how networking is and people who think this industry has to be very serious and hard yeah i'm like it doesn't need to be. You can have fun. You can have fluff, and mm. you can kind of like. Do you think that's be... a like a, a an Australian New Zealand mindset with yeah. the lack of networking? I feel like it really is that I, way. I I think a hundred percent it is, and I think it's like, um, oh, we're just really bad at it. I think <laughs> as well because we're. I don't think you or I, but I think definitely. Just You're telling me I'm bad at networking. <laughs> this is the first I'm hearing of it. Me, an introvert, like. <laughs> Uh, have you ever played the um uh the personality test? I uh, on a sidetrack yes. note. Yeah, yeah. Wait, um, I, I'm looking up which one I am because you're about to tell me yours, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is it the INFP one? <gasps> you're an INFP too. Yeah, that's the one. I yeah, I'm an INFP. Are you the uh, turbulent one or the or other one? <laughs> I'm the turbulent Same. one. And and so. <laughs> My partner the other day, she was like, we were talking about red and blues. And, and this was a theory given to her by someone at work. And she was like, she was like, red are people of chaos. And blues are people of like law and abiding and they stick to structure. And she was like, I'm a red, but, um, but with the cover of a blue. And I was like, what am I? And she was like, nah, you're just a red. You're chaos central. <laughs> like you will just go out to the world and be like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, you need people like that in the world though. I feel like I, I am the worst in public spaces. <laughs> um, it's because I just say anything that I think, and I'm like, oh, if no one's going to ask this question, you may as well ask. Yeah. Um, are you the same? Are you one of those people who just doesn't Honest, know? It depends really like on the situation. I feel like as I've gotten older, I have to say as I'm turning 27 this year, um, <laughs> tw- 20s, Gen Z has us all believing that we're a fucking decrepit. Sorry, I just swore. <laughs> Don't worry, I've been swearing all this podcast. So, you, you have? Know, you I swear. didn't notice. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like I will either I'll be very impassioned and say exactly what I think or I'll say absolutely nothing at all. There's, like, no middle mm. ground. <laughs> like, it depends. Like, if we're in a social situation, I feel like I, I inside I'm like, make it less awkward. Do it. Come on. And then if it's people that I don't feel comfortable around, I'll probably just – nod at everything they say or like and you're like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah nice to know you yeah exactly <laughs> i just i just yeah i don't know it's it kind of changes i feel like my personality yeah. when it comes to stuff like that um but yeah i feel like i'm outspoken at some points like on instagram maybe like i'm a bit of an instagram uh activist which is shameful but um yeah I, I, I love your like Instagram presence as well. <laughs> it's just, it's not committed. It's non-committal. I feel like it's so, it's so like, oh, some days I'll post, some yeah. days I won't. Like, yeah. it's... and then and does, we'll get a, we'll get onto your podcast in just a tick, oh, but yeah. uh, with social media is, is, I, I bet your cousin yeah. um, is the one who, Vic, who is the one who takes care of most of the posts. Oh yeah. You know, she's also a graphic designer. So she, she, it's her, like she's got the eye for it and I just do not have it. 
Um, yeah, my, as far as posting goes, I might like write the captions for her, like after she tells mm. me exactly what she wants me to say. Um, but yeah, she's definitely the runner of the Instagram. Cause I just can't, yeah. if you've seen my Instagram, you'll know why it's just horse pictures yeah. and books. <laughs> like, I don't know. Most of the, most of the time it's just books. Yeah. It's like, um, if, if anyone wants to wander onto the world, wonderful world of YouTube as well and find, um, Brit's YouTube channel. <laughs> Oh god. It's it's mostly just her reviewing books yeah. and or telling you vaguely about what the book's about. <laughs> or just being really excited to read a book. <laughs> I, I am not tease. ashamed. <laughs> I I think I do quite enjoy the YouTube channel because I think there was one where you talked about um you had a like actual tourist one of um somewhere in New Zealand and I was like okay that one's actually oh, I like cool. I did yeah that's probably yeah. really old because I am really bad at posting on there like terrible at it uh, oh don't worry I have one um YouTube channel that I haven't posted to in like ten years so. okay I feel like you're winning um, in ten years is <laughs> it's definitely winning. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I've, I've definitely made stuff that never saw the light of day and, uh, my HSC video is actually on YouTube. So if you want to go and yeah. check out that <laughs> abysmal mess, it's great. <laughs> um, check it out. <laughs> it's, it's quite funny. It's like it, it made on a handy cam and you'll tell when like, I didn't have anyone to film it yeah. because it's literally just really janky filming at some point. <laughs> so good. I love that. Uh, but um yeah so how did like the next question I'm going to ask is how did the um, the podcast come about because that must have been was that a pandemic baby no oh, hell yeah <laughs> it was definitely I mean like I'd always wanted to do one because I've I my the first podcast I ever listened to was Criminal um Phoebe Judge I don't know if that's her real last name but I hope it is because that's perfect but um yeah it was just it was sort of like a storytelling um podcast she's very it's very serious. And then, of course, I listened to My Favorite Murder. It's like one of my favorite ones. Um, really good. Uh, and so I feel like I'd wanted to do one for a while. I also love audiobooks. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Um, so I just like listening to stories. And so I felt like doing it. And then in the pandemic, I just was like, I'm going to try it out. I had my phone. I think I was recording on first. Um, and yeah. And then I, it was on hold for a bit after the first few episodes because mm. I just wasn't really sure like what I wanted to do with it. Um, and then we uh, brought in my cousin who's been like my one of my best friends since I was a kid and she's obsessed with true crime and she's also a really big horror fanatic and she she's really into pop culture and stuff. So um, I brought her in and she's helped like carry half of it. So it's good not having to do all the work. <laughs> I I think listening to your dynamic is really quite funny as well because it's like <laughs> it's it's if anyone who's played like D and D ever, mm. uh, it's like you know your cousin Vic is just like very neutral, yeah, like good neutral kind of like yeah, you know, and and you're very chaotic and evil. <laughs> I it's, love it's, that you said I'm chaotic evil because everyone's always just like you're 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 good or just like and I'm like no like no 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 you're like you're like if I were to compare you to any character you're very Loki esque like just just <laughs> it's like yeah definitely yes. very Loki esque but oh. I mean like um like a trickster kind of thing but it's yeah. it's listening to you on the podcast the two of you and I listen to. 
I listened to the first three episodes ages ago when mm. it was only three. And then I remember when you started posting more and I was like, ooh. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, with with Vic's um, like contribution, mm. it really felt quite like elaborate. Like it was sort of like the stories could get a bit more in depth. Yeah. And you guys were chit-chatting much more about like similar ideas and it was like a back and forth. Because mm. I think like the thing I always discover about solo podcast which are sometimes really interesting if you're very factual yeah is they they're kind of like very much like you don't get the full personality of that person they're kind of just like talking alone in a yeah, room yeah you're so right yeah i didn't think about it like that yeah was that very much like your thought about it when you started and then you stopped doing it for a while because you stopped for a while it was a long time it was almost like a year i think um i think initially Yes, I, I, f- I feel like I discovered that everything I liked about podcasts in the past were, I mean, with the exception of Criminal, I mean, not really because she still interviews people, but everything I liked comes from the dynamic of a conversation. Um, mm. And I wasn't, I mean, I can't really talk to myself, like you said. So I feel like that was definitely what I wanted. And I felt like I listened to the f- first few episodes back and, you know, like writing wasn't as enjoyable when I knew that I wasn't going to be able to hear somebody else's story and the work that they had also been mm. doing, you know? Um, so I feel like half of it was just wanting someone to tell me a story, to be honest, <laughs> um, and wanting to hear someone else talk. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, it really, you know, it's funny because it really shows kind of a very different dynamic as well mm. when, because um, I remember, yeah, listening to one of your very early episodes, episode one, mm. And I think it's one of the shortest ones, which mm. is like 17 minutes or yeah. 13 minutes or something like yeah. that. And it's very much feels like you didn't know exactly how to tell the story. Yeah. The story. You were just like, this scares me. And then, yeah. Like, yeah. It does feel um, like a little bit like a uh, reading it off a piece of paper. Right. And it, d- mm. it didn't feel organic. I'm like, it was still enjoyable because I got to write stuff and I like to write stuff, but it did feel way more like some sort of audiobook retelling, which I still enjoy, but it's not really what I wanted in a podcast because you can just go listen to an audiobook if you want to hear someone. Yeah. Yeah, do that. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, definitely the later episodes and do, you know, listeners do check it out because mm. I enjoy listening to it and it's very much a blast if you want to listen to two, two people talk <laughs> about scary things in a not so scary way, yeah. but just get, <laughs> yeah. get weirded out by some of the facts that you produce. Yeah. And it was just like, I'm just like, what? <laughs> um, but I mean, like one of those things I always feel like with podcasts and with anything um, is it's very interesting, like, you know, talking into a microphone and then having that kind of like, mm. do, do you, do you listen to it back before it goes out as well? Do you always kind of uh, listen to it? I edit them, which you might be able to tell because the editing is, uh, it's not as great as it could be. I, I mean, like it does, it's not like noticeably terrible, but I also don't have the attention span to edit. Uh, so I, um, I do all of that myself. And so I generally, I'm like listening to the, to the episode before it goes out. Um, and I might listen back with like my partner, um, and he'll listen to it for the first time that way. Uh, but other than that, I don't like re-listen to it because mm. I start getting a little bit like <laughs> nitpicky about <laughs> what I've said or done in the past. It's the same with like acting. Like I like to watch it back, but I can't watch it too many times. Otherwise I start yeah picking it apart (laughs) and you're going this is terrible yeah 
who's listening to this what um i i feel like that's very true and i i i for anyone who doesn't know how i do these podcasts i do all the like editing and everything so <laughs> but luckily um luckily very much i have um the i predominantly started in film editing mm. as well so in this industry i started at doing that yeah so it's not the most laborious thing but it does get very annoying after a while listening to your own voice yeah and and I think it's just a personality thing. I think when we listen to our own voice, we just go like this. You're just like, shush. <laughs> what are you even saying? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that like with with like um, as you talk also about like um, you know, how, getting easily distracted with ADD mm. and all that. How like were you diagnosed? When were you diagnosed with ADD? Officially, I was diagnosed in high school. Did I take the medication that I was prescribed? Absolutely not, because I just didn't accept that diagnosis <laughs> for so long. I was like, no, I don't. They're wrong. Absolutely wrong. Meanwhile, I was like not being able to like to 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 clean my car for like weeks because I would look at it and just be like it just would overwhelm me and then uh, I would get really emotional really really fast if anyone had anything like I think these are the weirder sides of I'm not hyperactive um I'm inattentive I'm not sure what you find yourself would you be I yeah so the way the condition I have mm. is um called attention deficit hyperactivity disorder so the way it works is um uh, when I was younger you would tell when my hyperactive side would go in, but I'd have like you, I'd have plummets of just being overwhelmed by mm. stuff yeah, and not able to physically uh, like, or mentally comprehend stuff. Mm-hmm. I think also something that, you know, people don't realize with people with ADD or ADHD is when we're growing up and generally like during puberty and everything, there's a whole like emotional side we don't understand and we mm. very much don't understand everyone else's emotions so mm. suddenly we don't understand why someone's being really irritated yeah it's like there's a great there's a great youtuber out there who talks about ADD and ADHD and she just breaks everything down and I remember listening to her recently and just going holy crap I still have those conditions yeah and I'm almost 30 like there are still things that I don't medicate anymore mm-hmm. but yeah, there's there's generally like you know like switches in my brains the way I think about things and the way I process information. Yeah, that uh, you know, general with with people who have a so called normal brain. Yeah, which I hate that term. I hate it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but they the way most typical brains are wired will process that information very like okay. And I, I think I have one of the you know like this is I don't know if this ever happened to you, mm. but when I was working. Um, people wouldn't understand how I might, I would learn. Hmm. And that's something with people who have ADD or ADHD, we kind of learn in a different way. Like yeah. it's a different way of processing information. So I learn very much by physically doing, if I've learned something, I can process that information and then muscle memory will kick in and I'll, I'll know how to do it every time. Yeah. And one of the things is people go, oh, but you've got to understand all the theory behind it. And I was like, well, yeah, but that can come at a slower progression. Like, as long as I've got the muscle memory to start doing it. Hmm. But so many people don't like, you know, like reading giant textbooks of information, whether especially when you work in the tech field. Yeah. They all want to make sure you read the manual. And I'm not one of those people who can read a tech manual and just go, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this makes sense. I'm like, now nah, push all the buttons. Yeah. Hope it works. And then, and then everyone's like, 
did you break it? I'm like, no, nah, it's working fine and it will be fine. Like, but everyone's yeah. just like, I don't know how you did that. Like the comprehension of just me going dumb blind into something because I just, I'm better off going dumb blind. Literally so true. I don't know if I'm exactly the same as you, but I do feel like it's not my, my instinct is to sort of look at something and maybe watch other people do it mm. and be like, and what observe what they're doing and figure out how they do something and then being like, can I, and I'm trying to apply that to, to what I do. But I also don't feel like I have one style of learning because a lot of people with like ADD, I guess, struggle with it, like attention span. And I do for a lot of things, but not other, not things that people would consider mundane. Like I sit and I will read for like 11 hours straight and I won't take a break. Like, um, or, you know, I will, I, I don't really, I struggle to start doing things like studying and stuff like that. But once I'm in it, I could probably sit down and do it for like a whole day and not take a break, which is, I feel like I hyperfixate a lot, which is the opposite mm. end. So I either will never start something or put it off. Like I'm currently putting off like three assignments, but uh, <laughs> it feels good. Um, but yeah, like when I get to it, I, I will sit there for hours and hours and hours and I will not be healthy I won't have water I won't take a break like it's it's toxic I feel like but uh that's yeah it's I feel like I didn't really ever learn how to manage it and I feel like learning to manage it comes from accepting that you have it um which yeah. I didn't for a long long time like a very long time and I don't really know why to be honest do you think it was anxiety related or like the were you what were you like in high school when you were sort of like diagnosed with it um I well I dropped out of high school so that'll tell you something I dropped out of high <laughs> school yeah and I am like I'm I do really well at uni like I, I'm studying creative writing yeah. I was doing English I I do really well I feel like but I dropped out I wasn't focused I didn't really I didn't really commit to like the, the learning environment like I didn't have any extracurriculars or anything like that mm. um and I was naughty I like took you know, I'd like leave school early and go to the movies or something. Um, so yeah, I feel like I was just very, very distracted and really unsure of what I wanted to do. And I feel like that just came from high schools, not having a broad enough, you know, like subject selection really. And, and having, you know, pre-existing ideas about what you need to do to, you know, like what careers a kid should be focusing and mm. stuff like that. So I never saw anything in school that I thought, yeah, that's what I want to do with my life, you know? So I just wasn't invested, I don't think. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a, like anyone who drops out of school, that's mm. not a bad thing to drop out of school. I think, mm. you know, most people have done it and ended up having like really successful careers. It's everyone kind of like in high school, I remember, was like, don't drop out of school. Mm. Parents don't like that. It's like, nah. You can do whatever you want because school – I don't yeah. like school structure. Neither. I remember going to it um, – you know, I graduated in 2010. But I remember absolutely going – only entertainment was the only thing I wanted to do mm -hmm. and drama. Like it was like acting and, you know, film and set yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's one of those things that I still want to do now, which is like – um, you know, do voice roles and, you know, voice acting. But it's one of those things that if if things like that didn't focus and you didn't really, like, focus on those things, there would be no mm. 
you know, there's kind of a fixate because I feel like schools just want you to become accountants and and teachers and they Mm. want you to be a particular type. So there's nothing wrong with kind of like taking different avenues Mm. and being like, hey, I'm going to do this. But where did you, like, when you... How long was the uni courses? Like, how long were you at uni or did you kind I'm of... I'm just... still at uni. I am... Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking hell. I've been here for so long. Um, I just keep having to take bloody time off because I had to, like, with acting and stuff, and I hate doing distance courses. I'm still having to do distance right now. Um, I'm taking a freaking great course on, like, on just the the, the concept of gothic. Um, whether it be in like pop culture and stuff right now, it's super cool. So we, you know, watching Rocky Horror Picture and, um, we're, you know, studying Bram Dracula and stuff like that, which is really fun. Um, it's so good. <laughs> I'm just, I'm in heaven now. So you good. Mentioned, you mentioned two of my favorite things and Rocky, Rocky Horror Picture shows. Oh. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean like... So is is that something because you mentioned you want to be a writer as well, like mm. and you read like for eleven hours? Yeah, it's bad. I've got the screen up in the background, so you can't see all my books that are just like strewn all over the room right now. Um, but also, like I remember one of, one of the things that I think you know I really liked about your Instagram post was a while back mm. was where you were talking about like books and things that you love, mm. and it's very much something I can relate to. It's like uh, um, you know, that whole idea if you just get immersed into these worlds and mm-hmm. you get very, you know, like fantasy or dark fantasy or like, but you tend to read a lot of like dark fantasy. Honestly, like, I don't know where I think it's because I spend a lot of time on TikTok right now, which I feel like I'm too old to be there. I'm too old to be there. But the bookish community on there is all these Gen Z kids who are like suggesting i mean there's older you know folks the millennials are there too but um they're suggesting all these like fantasy romance books and it's just it's wild (laughs) i don't know how i got here but i mean it's where i am currently Uh, i'm so glad i got didn't get tiktok do because you have do you post on tiktok (laughs) (laughs) oh god Uh, i post mostly mostly bookish content i feel like you know i don't do dances or anything not that i mean there's anything wrong with doing tiktok dances you know Uh, but i don't i'm not a dancer so (laughs) i don't do anything like that i i just feel like everything on tiktok i see is like everyone's like oh i spent my day doing tiktok and i'm like how many hours of your day (laughs) (laughs) it's so easy to spend so long in there um Instagram's bad enough. Like, mm. I don't need to add another layer yeah. of, like, confusion to my day. Yeah. You'll never get um, off. <laughs> I know. Um, but, no, I mean, like, I think that's kind of, like, the thing. With with your social media, though, because you're a big ad- advocate, mm. you know, because you mentioned, you know, you're an advocate for, like, <laughs> you're the Instagram advocate. But um, you do mention a lot about, like, you know, AD- ADD. Mm. And kind of like accepting people and, you know, you're very much a positive influence. Was that, was that like, where did that come about? Was that just kind of from your own experiences of growing up? Or I was feel it just... like it, with ADD, I feel like it came from a lot of people taking that term and just running with it in their own lives when they don't have a diagnosis. Like people will be like, I'm so, you know, like, hi, I forgot my pencil case. I have ADD and they don't have ADD. And like, it's mm. you know what I mean I feel like it kind of trivializes the experience and it, su- it massively misunderstands what it is for a lot of people um it's not just you know hyperactivity and 
you know, like this kind of caricature behavior of like being super quirky and zany and stuff. Um, it's like the inability to actually like complete tasks and, and, you know, like the other mental health problems that come with having something that limits you. I feel like, mm. cause I know a lot of my self-worth is based on how much I achieve in a day sometimes. And sometimes with ADD, I'll be like, it's 4 PM and I've done literally nothing that I was meant to do today. Like, I don't know how I got here. Right. Yeah. And so, mm. and so I was seeing all these people like, I don't know, not understand it. And then also kind of, it feels like sometimes when you're, you're trying to explain who you are and why you are the way you are, that people don't take it seriously. Like they don't classify it as an actual problem. Like it's not really. So I feel like I speak to it a bit on there. Also, I was inspired by a friend of mine, Brando Yelovich, who's this incredible guy. He, um, he's done the most insane things with his life and he has, uh, ADHD and he's so open about it and always talking about it um and he was definitely inspiring I think so that's why I kind of started doing it the same thing um but yeah I don't know you say positive influence and I don't feel like I am I just I I definitely think you are like I I think one of the also like the thing which I remember in my experience is like and I don't know if you had the same where you go to someone people people would be like oh I don't understand how your brain works and you go oh I have ADD or Mm -hmm. I have ADHD and they're going oh and then they sort of like do this whole like spiel of like oh I'm so sorry for you Mm -hmm. and you're like you kind of give this a weird look of being like I don't know why you think this is like the worst. (laughs) Thing that could happen. <laughs> Karen, yesterday I spent 11 hours writing a paper that uh, I was really passionate about or creating a project and it's insanely good. Unfortunately, mm. at the same time, I struggle to like do the laundry because I can't, I don't see mess sometimes. Like, um, <laughs> I would, I, I'm so glad you've only got this frame because the rest <laughs> of the apartment is, uh, um, you are limited to what you can say. So are you, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's actually something that also when you have an ADD or an ADHD brain, it mm. is true. You can't see mess. Mm. It's like your brain just goes, oh, no, I'm not going to worry about it. Mm. Um, and I learned that very much living, like I live on my own mm. and um, it's sort of very much because of that i've done it for about a year i just automatically know where my own mess is and i'm like oh my keys are somewhere over there my like yeah yeah <laughs> something that i need is over there at the left hand corner yeah. which is i don't know why it lived there but yeah. it does now yeah it's so funny um, and then people are like how do you know where anything is and you're like i know where everything important is right now but it's just like <laughs> yeah and and explaining that to my parents who go and look around <laughs> in the apartment and just go why is everything left out? And I'm like, no, why is everything in an organized fashion? <laughs> but I know where it is. Oh, so good. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who kind of assume that we're not normal mm. or that the ADHD brain is not a normal thing. And mm. I feel like there's um like I've already had a few guests who have like had um, you know, um, you know, different conditions and you know, not just ADD, but I think that's something that I try to normalize now, which is everyone has something different. It's like with mental health. Mm. Um, I'm a big advocate for mental health and anxiety and everything like that because, mm. uh, you know, and also just, you know, like one thing that I say to everyone is, you know, um, you know, if you have a 
you know, trigger warning for mm. anyone out there. If you have any conditions like um, eating disorders or like have been in abusive relationships mm. or anything like that, speak up. Because one of the things that I remember growing up about was talking about these things and not realizing they were in a male dominated world. Like they weren't talked about predominantly in the male gaze mm. um, in the early to the, you know, the early 2010s and stuff. And, uh, you know, like I came out to my friends being like, oh, I have eating issues and I have, you know, I've been, you know, and I've also been in two toxic relationships. So mm. have been in like in and out of that. Um, and one of those things that I talk about was, you know, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, no, all all people are evil and all stuff. And it's like, well, no, you got to understand where everyone's kind of like coming from. Mm. And I think there's this whole like. I think people just automatically put things into categories because it's easier for our society to do that and just go dump this person to evil because automatically they've abused you or they've done something. It's like, well, no, they're just, they've come from a horrible place as well. So what their actions aren't good, I don't think you should hate on them for entirely being in this category. I don't know if you'd agree with that. I I feel like I do. I feel like... um... There is, I feel like there's like divisions, right? Like there's society and what role it needs to take in making sure that people have the resources they need to know how to get therapy and help when it comes to stuff that's going on. Um, Mm. And I feel like it was probably harder before than it was now to know that, say, you know, you're in a situation where you're, you know, taking your actions out on another person. Um, Sorry, you're, you're, you know, you're taking your what's inside and putting on another person or whatever. I feel like it was probably easier before to know or not feel like you had the resources available to get help um, mm. and kind of figure out what's going on in, your, on in your own head. I feel like that's society to blame as well, right? It's like a lack of yeah. talking about it. So how are people supposed to know, um, you know, how are people supposed to know that there's things going on inside of all of us if no one ever talks about it? <laughs> it's literally, yeah. I used to get the worst panic attacks when I was a kid. Like I used to, um, go to like movie theaters and I'd have a panic attack because something in my brain was like, it's dark. (laughs) Mm. Um, And, you know, I I used to have like panic attacks when I was driving, like at nighttime, I'd have to pull over and like stop on the side of the road because I thought I was like having a heart attack and I had no idea what it was like as a kid. And then suddenly as you start to grow up, you're like, you started to, I started to see a, a conversation, I think Mm. more, more of a conversation at least about mental health. But it wasn't until, you know, after I got out of high school that I felt like I was actually seeing people destigmatize stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that I also say is like medication isn't for everyone. Hmm. It's like really dependent. Like um, I take medication to reduce anxiety, mm-hmm. but I remember like, I think it was two years ago, I had the worst anxiety of my entire life mm-hmm. to the point I couldn't leave the house without being paranoid about what the outside world was doing yeah but to explain though to people and go oh you're so confident or you're so like this it's like yeah that was a facade to get me through mm. going out but mm-hmm. the, what was going on internally in the you know as you say the switches in your head is a completely different thing like mm. how do you feel now with like being you know do you still suffer from like anxiety and panic attacks as Honestly, much as you used to? the last panic attack i had was probably over six months ago which is good i still suffer from uh like i would say that i still suffer from anxiety in the sense that i honestly it's diminished a lot because we're not going outside a lot and i feel like a lot of my triggers are to do with people <laughs> um so <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like for that site, in that note, like it's kind of gone down a little bit. This but... explains you're an INFP. This is such an <laughs> INFP. So, uh, yeah, I definitely still, still get anxiety. I, you know, like I've struggled with it since I was a kid, like since I was really little, uh, I used to get like mm. night terrors and stuff like that. So, um, you know, what? I, my mom is the same. My mom is ADHD as well. And she's suffered with like anxiety and stuff. So I feel like I, I feel like it's always going to be something that I deal with, but as I get older, I feel like the way in which life affects me has started to change a little bit. When I was younger and in high school with anxiety, I did a lot of uh, unhealthy, you know, going out a lot and, um, you know, surrounding myself with people who weren't necessarily that like uh, much of a positive influence in my life Mm. so that I could have a distraction or, you know, get away from the way that I was feeling. Um, And now I feel like I'm able to manage it a lot better because I take the time that I need to get through you know whether it be like a depressive episode or like um because i've had those in the past as well um or you know an anxiety attack i i know what i need now as an adult which i feel Mm. like is a great part about growing up as you start to know what you need like thank god i would never take if i could take a someone's like take this pill and go back to when you were 16 i don't think i would do it ever i don't think i could do it (laughs) i i yeah i i mean like do you take medication now? I used to take citralopam, citralopam maybe, but for, I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but I stopped when I got to Canada. So I was on it for about six, six, seven months. It did help okay. quite a lot, but then I came off it um, and I've been able to manage as well without it. So I feel, okay. yeah, I feel like it was, I feel like it was uh, situation based, probably my anxiety at the yeah. time. Mine's definitely situation based. I like, um, you know, yeah everything comes from like certain situations or like stuff that happened when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that I always say to everyone is go and see a therapist. Yeah. Um, it helps massively or just go and do things. Like I think go and be like the best, you know, like it, go and help yourself. Like, yeah. because uh, one of the biggest, hardest things is, as we both said, is accepting it and knowing it because the moment you accept it, it's kind of like this gateway flood kind of rushes in and you just kind mm. of let your emotions exist yeah um because there's a lot of rejecting it mm. at first and 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 not wanting to feel like it but you've got to kind of let yourself feel like it mm. so that you can process all the you know and and simplify it because there's like there's what actually bothers people and what creates a lot of these worries mm. is actually very fine and simple things sometimes, mm. but it's just getting through this mountain of like mm. anxieties and stresses and, you know, like to go and work out what the exact root of the problem is Yeah, because that's where it creates a lot of like um, you know, social worries and stuff. And, you know, like I'm a very introverted person, mm. so... I, I'm if I can avoid social situations, <laughs> I will. Yeah, um, I feel that. It's, it's yeah, it's like being in an office. It's like whenever I'm at the office and I watch people and they have an argument, and I'm like, I don't want to at all be here. So I'm gonna go downstairs. Yeah. See you all later. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very much one of those situations of like I just don't know what to do when people get confronted mm. or like anything like that. I've gotten good at this. Okay, I sent a, you know what? I hate sending emails so much. I hate being, like the, I used to really get bothered by the idea of being perceived as somebody who was um, 
at all rude. Like I was very, very concerned. I never wanted anyone to think that I was a mean person or rude or standoffish in mm. any way. Um, and I, when I got here and in, in quarantine, um, I feel like because I am only around my partner, I'm someone who used to uh, mirror a lot of the time in social situations and, and really like pick up on everybody else's behavior and be the kind of person that they they, I felt like they wanted in that situation or that was best suited. And hmm. since quarantine being alone, like I've had to be like, who am I as a person? Like, it's crazy. Um, and so I spent a lot of time like thinking about it and it's helped me really like be not confrontational, but have like stand up for myself in situations where I feel like I need to. Whereas before I don't feel like I could, but I sent a very like, forthright email the other week and i was like mm. i understand your time is important but so is mine and i sent that in an actual email and i've never said anything like that to, to a person before so um i yeah it's crazy i don't know wow. i thank you thank you i no, it feels good i mean <laughs> that that is impressive i actually really like that uh it's <laughs> Do you feel like, what are your thoughts on assumptions as well? Because you must get so many assumptions of who you are off, um, off the internet. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I don't hear that many um, face-to-face. Uh, I don't really know what people think about me, I think, because I, I initially was very active on social media. <laughs> um, and then I feel like since... I don't know, since I started spending more time on it, I, di- I disconnect better at the end of the day. Um, mm. So the only thing I probably get is inappropriate, some inappropriate people sending me DMs asking for weird stuff. Uh, you know, Those feet pics. Oh, they feet freaking cut. Wiki feet's not enough, you know, for the general nah, public yeah. anymore. <laughs> um, um, yeah, because I... Yeah, I always find like this is the thing, you know, like obviously you do Twitch streaming as well mm-hmm. and there's always an assumption about girl gamers yeah. and um, and just girl, you know, like this is the thing that bothers me as well because, uh, you know, most of my close friends are female. Mm-hmm. So it's like one thing that I know I will sit down there and watch nerdy things like to the nth degree. But when you say to someone, it's like, oh, you know, you're a pretty girl. I can't imagine you playing D and D, yeah, or something like that. It's like, do you get? <laughs> did you used to get that a lot? Like, where someone put you into a category like that and be like, oh, oh, you're too attractive for this thing. I feel like I've had people say, like, sort of, like maybe one or two comments here and there. Um, at the end, I feel like I, I'm not sure. It's one of those things, right, where. Um, I feel like I've been lucky in the sense that I don't see a lot of those judgments that are made or if they, they are made, I feel like they're not, they're not, um, they're not expressed in a way that's like very obviously, uh, critical of me. Like maybe mm. they might do an offhanded comment be like, Oh, I didn't, I've never seen a girl play D and D, you know what I like summarizing generalizing all of us, but there's never been yeah. anything really that specific set against me or if it has i'm i've blocked it off i'm compartmentalizing and i don't remember so um but yeah i definitely feel that uh with uh, the women that i know that are into you know specific pop culture stuff whether it be like video games or D and stuff like that um that there has there are definitely assumptions about women in video games um yeah. i think and 
they're always like you'll see it on some of the bigger streamers like valkyrie and stuff like that the comments are like oh you know she just sits there and gets paid a lot of money to play video games like she should have a real skill and then ninja's doing the same thing um and yeah. nobody's saying that about him you know what i mean like it's just that you know we're also used to it now that i feel like it's it's become this thing where you don't even see it anymore which is even scarier to be honest mm. um yeah yeah there's a there's a real like subculture and um it is being stamped out but mm. it is definitely like a subculture of everyone just being like oh you know you're like you know let me comment on your how you look yeah and it's like mate at the end of the day i'm playing a video game in my in my like jeans and or yeah my trackies i'm not looking my <laughs> crash hottest <laughs> oh, um, that's a great streaming I, outfit though yeah i you know, know right it's so comfy <laughs> i i like i know so many twitch streamers mm. and um they just yeah most of them just will be like nah i'm wearing my t-shirt and trackies and that's, yeah that's just, and i'll look unkempt because fuck it yeah it's 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 <laughs> i'm playing video games in my bedroom i'm gonna do this yeah all the time. i so know what you mean uh, um <laughs> look there's there's a time and a place to dress up and there's a time <laughs> and a place to look <laughs> like your absolute most comfortable um but no before we start like wrapping things yeah, up yeah. as well um i've really enjoyed this yeah chat, no, it's, it's way, so cause... much fun i didn't know that this um, is what being like podcast interviewed felt like it's great <laughs> it's just a big chat yeah, you're just like oh i must do more of these <laughs> um obviously like you know you've you've done all these things and you've sort of like you know you're an infp yeah, which hey, i love, I hey, love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um how did like with everything coming back to acting mm. and kind of coming back to like you know you're going back to new zealand yeah Anyway, like, what's your what's your next trajectory there? Like, what's what's your plans to once you're back there to do? Well, I feel like I'm really excited about the prospect of um, working with Fever again. Of course, uh, working uh, to audition in room is going to be incredible because all of the in room auditions here don't exist because everybody's Zoom auditioning and stuff now. So it will mm. be really nice to go back to a casting office and actually like do some in room auditions and stuff. Um, you know, like get back into the swing of things at home. There's some really great productions I think that are, that are at home right now. And so auditioning there, I think what I've gained from being over here probably is, is the, um, the knowledge that everybody's training. Right. And now I have, you know, like I work consistently in classes and stuff. Um, I kind of let go of that mentality that I feel like a lot of actors kind of have at the beginning of their career that, um, either you're, a, you're of two minds, you're either of the mind that you, you're amazing and so talented that you don't need to ever learn anything ever again <laughs> um and some of the greats say that as soon as you're of that mind your career is essentially over um yeah, yeah. and then yeah the second mind which i see a lot here um people just like consistently training and being in classes and you know like never getting uh too big of an ego i guess when you're at the stage of learning i think that's important so that's what i've taken away from being here and i feel like i'm going to take that home um implement that um i'm excited to see my family um, and just be back into a place where I can go to a, like a bar or a coffee shop and not have to wear a mask. It's going to be so good. I, I It's so good. Yeah. And I actually am thrilled that you get to go back to New oh, Zealand. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it just it just makes me excited for yeah. you because it's one of those things that I'm just like, when you're on stuck on the other side of the world, mm. 
and in this very surreal world, it's just, you know, I think it will be like that eye-opening experience for you and your partner to kind of probably have a moment <laughs> where you're just like, I don't know how to process yeah. being this surrounded by people. I feel like it might be a bit it's... overwhelming to begin with. I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> um, I mean, but it, it is a fantastic experience. Like, And I think, you know, obviously... Uh, you know, anyone who's working in Australia and New Zealand, we are in such a fortunate position mm. that we can do things that are so in person and, and we are very lucky and, you know, and able to yeah. do the things that we love. Yeah. Um, I feel like they take it for of... granted a lot right now as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think also one question I do want to ask mm. is like, does do you think the pandemic has also created you to have a closer relationship and also, you know, and allow yourself to be, if you know open a bit more because i find that with the pandemic Mm. some people have gone this is the worst experience in my life and i feel like it's benefited some people who would have found the world really chaotic before and then sort of like it's quieted things down to a point i feel like it's really put a lot of things into perspective for me like i Mm. used to get really caught up in some really like small things and i feel like i don't do that as much anymore i'm really you know i'm i'm grateful that i have you know, I'm in the situation where I'm, I can like sustain my, myself. Cause I know a lot of people haven't been in that situation. Um, so I feel like I, I, it's just put a lot of things in, into perspective, into perspective. <laughs> I haven't gotten better at talking cause I'm talking to people less. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think I definitely, it's made me take like a account of what's important, I think, and really help me like mm. fine tune my, what I what I like, what I don't like, what I think is valuable and what I don't think is valuable. That feels like a really generalized answer and like really broad, I feel like when I say it. Um, but it, it's really me being like, I, I miss my family. I don't think I'd take them for granted again because I haven't been able to see them for so long. I miss going out and working. I used to complain if, you know, that at the end of the day on set, like the, everybody complains to some degree, but if I was really tired and I was like, ugh, I don't really feel like, you know, like being here right now, I'm super tired. I would never (laughs) know. And yeah, just seeing how many people's lives have been affected. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Australia and New Zealand, maybe Victoria sees it because they've had a number of lockdowns, right? You go Melbourne. Oh yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been fucked down there. So, um, so and New Zealand hasn't really seen what it's like. Yeah. So they kind of have a, they've been in a bubble, but for the rest of the world, it's been pretty, it's been pretty crazy. Mm. I feel like. Um, yeah. There's, mm. it's been an interesting, like, I think out of all the cities in Australia, Melbourne has like written the most articles being like, no other state's going to get what we went through. And it's like, I don't think any other state will understand. No, it's impossible. What you went through. Like, I don't see how people could, mm. you know, I, I hear from, from family members and they're like, oh, how are you going? Um, and I'm like, yeah, good, but also we've been in a lockdown for a year. Maybe more yeah. specific questions about like. <laughs> have the zombies invaded the doors yeah. yet? Like, have you have you seen the mutant people? Like, where are we at? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's 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 my favorite favorite thing is just pretending it's like a zombie apocalypse mm. now 
yeah. and and really just kind of taking every moment to wear like a mask and yeah. you know if I really wanted to wear the goggles yeah. and stuff and look like I've got a rucksack. And- <laughs> I have to shamefully <laughs> admit that I did binge watch a lot of like dystopian movies because I was like, I feel like I'm living it. Like it's it feels even realer to me today. So. <laughs> I will. I will say this: when I when I bought The Last of Us Part Two, mm. I couldn't play it. Like I felt so. Like I played an hour of it, and mm. I was like, I feel too depressed yeah. that this is reality. I watched playthroughs because I was like, I don't want to buy it because I I probably won't commit, but I I'll watch the whole thing and someone else play it. I'll do that. <laughs> oh, you're one of those. I love it. As well. I love it. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, it's it, they're so good. Yeah. But um. We could wrap up. <laughs> yeah, days. sorry. But let's. It's gone on. Let's let's, um, let's wrap up. Mm. Thank you so much for chatting. It has been an absolute blast um, to chat to you. I mean, where can people find you on the socials? Um, well, if you want <laughs> TikTok, no, don't ever look at my TikTok account. <laughs> I banished the from ever looking at my TikTok account. Um, I'm on Instagram. If you like pictures of books, horses, acting content, that kind of stuff, I, I'm at Brit Scott Clark. Um, if you feel like following me on YouTube, same handle. And other than that, uh, usually in like a Viva video is probably the first place to look. Um, yeah. Yeah. What would be your f- top two of Viva recommendation videos that you would say to introduce people to Viva? Uh, I would go and watch, I would go and watch one of the board videos. And then I would also go and watch Soulmate, which is one of the NPC videos. That's my favorite one. <laughs> it's cause I'm in it. <laughs> But also, like, go and check out Brit's first appearance in Board as well because that's one of my favorite episodes oh, yeah. where you bring. It's so funny. I forgot I was in it's Board. Actually... <laughs> like, it's one of my favorite favorite episodes, which is then. Just... <laughs> I'm not going to say how it ends, but it's, it is literally one of my favorite episodes to watch because it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, it's on how it's that titled ends. Hot Chick. <laughs> that's the name of the whole video. <laughs> that tells me anything. <laughs> Um, but no, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute blast. Um, if you want to go and check out, um, Brit's podcast as well, the shit that scares us do it's available on Spotify and is it on Apple as well? It is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So it's on Apple and Spotify. Um, go and check it out. It's actually really funny and a blast. Um, her and Vic do a great job. If you want to listen to more episodes, they're also available on this podcast of the things we do on Apple and Spotify as well. And I will... (laughs) listen they're fun um and yeah just listen to a whole bunch of fun stuff um but yeah this is the things we do podcast i will speak to you all later Bye-bye. bye bye <laughs>